series called Christ Encounters. Um, last week was just a wonderful week, spend, spending time in God's presence. We talked about Zacchaeus and how he uh, met Zacchaeus on the road, went to the spot, knew exactly what he was doing, where he was going, and met him there. Um, and so I'm looking forward to see what God has for us here today. As I said last week, I believe um, two things for us uh, as the church. I believe that the church should uh, be fun. I think that we should come to church and enjoy coming to church and, and laugh every now and again, more than every now and again, a lot. Uh, that we should enjoy each other, the company of each other, and spending time together. Um, that you should en- We should enjoy coming to church. It should be fun. Uh, but it's more than a pool party, the church, okay? Uh, the church should also be a place of expectation for the presence and the power of God. Amen? Expectation for the presence and the power of God. And I asked you last week if you would pray for me, pray for us this week, that we would experience the presence and the power of God. How many of you prayed this week and said, yes, I want to see it this week? Good. I want there to be an expectation that when, when we come into this house, that we're more, it's more than just getting good advice from a verse. It is, it is the word of God that changes lives. Changes lives. I want my life changed. I don't know about you. I want my life changed the way that God wants me to change and move in that direction. And so we want to experience the power of God. So we're going to talk about the power of God here today, okay? Let me give you a couple of verses before we get into our main text, our main story. Exodus chapter 14, 31. You want to talk about the power of God. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, this is the parting of the Red Sea, they were filled with awe before him, and they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. That's some power, okay? The parting of the Red Sea, uh, the, the ten plagues, all these things. When they saw the power of God, they did nothing but stand in awe. Have you ever been in the in the presence and the power of God before where you were just in awe of what was going on, what was happening in that moment? The Israelites knew this. Ephesians chapter 119, uh, Paul is praying for uh, his church. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for those who believe in him. Not just experience God's power, understand. He said, I pray that you understand understand the greatness of God's power for us. It's not just be in the middle of it, but understand it. Here's how we can, you can understand it. This is the same power, the same power that lives inside of you is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power that raised him from the dead, that lifted him up on high, is the same power that lives in you and me. Great place to say amen there. I'm going to start amen in my own stuff, okay? Amen. The same power. The same power. It lives inside of us. We need to stop walking around like, woe is me, we're the church. Everybody's against us. Everybody, everything. The death, hell, and the grave was against Jesus, and he rose triumphant. And that power lives in you. Stop walking around like we're losers. We're not. 
We are victorious. In fact, we're more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. The verse that I kept saying to myself over and over this week, Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to know Christ. Yes, ma'am. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Anybody else with me? I want to know him. I don't want to know about him. I don't want to know his stats. Like, I want to know him. The only way to know him is to talk with him, to be with him. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. There was a man that we're going to talk about here today in Luke chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Luke chapter 5, we'll have it on the screen as well, but Luke chapter 5. Early on in his ministry, Jesus meets a man. And this man is about to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And at the end of this message, I'm going to give opportunity and chance for us to have our own one-on-one conversations with Jesus. To know Christ and to experience the power of the resurrection. Luke 5.12, in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with advanced case of leprosy. Now, those of you who grew up in the church, you've heard of leprosy. There are many leprous men, people who were healed of leprosy in the Bible. Leprosy was a highly contagious skin disease, which no one knew the cure for at the time. It was, it was an awful, awful disease, highly contagious your skin would turn color. You would have sores all over your body. What it would do is it would destroy the nerve endings, your fingers, toes, nose, ears, so that you couldn't feel pain. Pain is actually a good thing. You know when to stop doing something, okay? Pain, pain is actually good, okay? But if you don't have the nerve endings that tell you stop doing this, then you're going to jam a finger or, or twist an elbow or whatever. But they didn't do that. You couldn't, you couldn't feel pain when you had leprosy. So what would happen is, is that things at, at advanced cases, in some cases, fingers or toes would literally fall off of your body. It was an awful, awful disease. Not only was it damaging physically, but it took on even a mentally and a social thing. When you contracted this disease, you had to completely leave society. You've heard the term a a leper colony? That's what this was. You had to leave polite society, and you had to stay over here away from everybody else because it was highly contagious. You touch someone, and they get it. And so they would have to go over here, and so they couldn't go to the synagogue. They couldn't go to the grocery store. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't see this man. It could have been, it said in an advanced case, so it could have been months or, or years or many years since he's seen his wife and kids. And not only that, if you had leprosy and someone who did not have leprosy was approaching you, you had to actually yell unclean. You had to yell unclean to everybody else around so that they knew that you had leprosy and they should not come near. 
What a humiliating disease. <laughs> to just yell at people, unclean, don't come near me. And that's what this man has. An advanced case of leprosy. Continuing in verse 12. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed his face to the ground. Begging to be healed. I... <clears throat> When I read when I read this this part, I was I was studying for my for my message on Wednesday morning, and I had to stop. And the the phrase he had to bow his face to the ground just struck me. You know this this man has has lived a a life not near his family friends, having to, having to, having to yell unclean when anybody comes near him. He's just humiliated. And he sees a glimmer of hope in Jesus. Somehow he's heard about who Jesus is and what he does. And he sees Jesus, and there's a glimmer of hope. But he, does, he doesn't shout like the blind man, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me, right? He doesn't, he doesn't shout with exultation and excitement. He bows his head to the ground because he's, he's used to disappointment. And he's used to humiliation. And I begin to, to think about <clears throat> some in our church that I know, I know some of situations where there are people who are just going through a tough time right now. And, that, and I mean that with a broad brush. Tough time right now can mean a lot of things. There's some physical situations that's going on. There may be trouble with marriage. There may be trouble with kids. I don't know why my children have gone off and done this. Financial situations. You know, going through a tough time can mean a lot of things. And when we are going through tough times, and we see other people that seemingly are not going through tough times, we don't really make eye contact with them, do, do we? There's kind of a, you know, there's almost like a shame, you know, like because my marriage doesn't look as perfect as yours, I don't even know if I want to be in conversation with you guys. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm struggling financially. It looks like you're not. I've seen your Facebook page. <laughs> and so I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to, you know, I, I don't, I, no, I don't want to go out to eat with you because I can't afford to go out to eat. You know what I'm saying? You just kind of have this, and, and when I say guilt and shame, I'm not even talking about sin at this point, okay? There, there's no indication that this leprous man was a sinful man necessarily or that he contracted leprosy because he was sinful. So I'm not even talking about guilt and shame that comes with sin. Like that's something else, Okay? If, if, if we have a certain guilt and shame, it's almost like we don't want to come to church because we know we've done something wrong, okay? And so there's a certain amount of bowing our, our face to the ground. There's some shame there. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about where we are in life. And sometimes life is not perfect, and, and we make mistakes, and, and we don't feel as good as someone else. And, and, and here's this man, and I begin to think about some in our church, and, and even the people in our church that, that I don't that I know something about. I don't know everything about it. And I, I just began to pray for the people of our church that I know 
are hurting right now. Broad brush, many different things. People that are hurting. And so there's the tendency that when you're hurting, you don't want to look at the people who seem like they're not hurting. And I, and I prayed for you. And I'm telling you that this man, this man knows what you're going through. Because he sees a glimmer of hope, but he can't even look at him. He can't even look at him. He bows his face to the ground, and he begs to be healed. And then he says this, Lord, he said, if you are willing You can heal me and make me clean. I can't do it. I can't make myself clean. And you're here in the room, and you're going through what you're going through. Sometimes to be able to go forward, you just have to be honest with where you're at. And you go, you know... I'm the one that got myself into this mess. I can't get myself out. But Jesus, you can. You can. And so he cries out. He says, if you are willing, make me clean. In verse 13, Jesus reached out and touched him. This man has not been touched in years by his wife, by his children, by his friends. Jesus ignores the social distancing mandate of the day and touches the man. Touches the man. He hasn't been touched in years. And Jesus says, I'm not afraid of your disease. I'm not af- you're not, you're not going to get your stuff on me. Okay? You're not, don't worry about me. I'm fine. You're not going to get anything on me. I'm going to touch you. What did, as Jesus reached his hand out, you know, did, did the leprous man, did he flinch a little bit? Because no one, no one's touched him. I, I don't know. I don't know what he did. But Jesus reached out and touches the man, and then he says, "I am willing." You kind of have to, you know, am I willing? <laughs> man, you know, the leprous man says, "If you're willing," Jesus says, "If I'm willing, do you not know who I am?" Those of you who are parents in the room, are you willing that your children should starve? Are you willing that your children, if they have a cut on their leg, would not mend them up? Am I willing? Yes, I'm willing. Of course I am. And he touches the man. Nothing can separate us. Not your stuff, not the things you're dealing with, and not your sin can separate you from God's love. Do not listen to what Satan is trying to tell you. 
Romans 8, 38, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Nothing. What, what Satan wants to do is he wants to take whatever thing you're dealing with, your marriage, your finances, your physical, whatever, and says, you're the only one going through this. And so he separates you from God, from your friends, from the church, from the family, and he just tells you, you're alone. You're the only one that's dealing with this. You're the only one that has a problem. Everybody else is great, but you're messed up. And so he separates us. That's his goal. He's driving a wedge between you and God, you and church, you and everybody, and everything. And God says, nothing can separate you from my love. Nothing. He says, am I willing? Yeah, I'm willing. Continuing verse 13, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Instantly the leprosy disappeared. I prayed for some instantlies to happen here today. I'm praying for instantlies to happen in our church and in our community and in our world. But right here in this room, I pray for some instantlies to happen today. Instantly. Listen, your weakness is not a strain on God's power. Your weakness is not a strain on God's power. It's not. You come to him with your weakness you come to him. The leprous man had this weakness about him. He had this, this thing that he was dealing with, the th- the, his junk, his situation. But it was not a strain on God's power to the point that he touched the man. He was able to touch the man. Do not think that you can come and, well, God's busy, or God, this is too small or too big or whatever. You, your weakness is not a strain on God's power. So come to him with your weakness. In fact, the problem is, many times, is that whenever we're dealing with something, we want to try to get out of it because we think that we're strong enough to get out of it. We think that we're smart enough to get out of it, or we have enough money to get ourselves out of it, or we try to lean on our own strengths. Listen, don't be afraid of your weaknesses. Be afraid of your delusions of strength because they're just delusions. Don't be afraid of your weaknesses. Bring your weaknesses to God. Be afraid of your delusions of strength. I got it. I'm fine. I'm really not as bad as I look. And then we try to keep doing it again, and we might as well get a shovel because we're digging deeper. Be afraid of your delusions of strength, not your weaknesses. Matthew 11, 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Bring your weaknesses. Again, I'm not even hammering on sin. Yes, bring your sin to the Lord, but that's not really even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your plight in life. Bring your cares. Cast your burdens upon me, he says. The stuff you're going through. Don't lean on your strength. Lean on my strength. Bring your weaknesses to me. 
I want to introduce you to a, a friend of mine. I know many of you know him as well. Jeremiah Murphy came in and gave part of his testimony of feeling strong, and then all of a sudden, he needed the Lord. Watch this testimony. Me and a buddy, were, we decided that we were going to try out for Navy SEALs. And uh, so we need, we, hey, we need to start training. And um, so that evening, we decided we're going to start with push-ups. And so we hit the ground, we started doing push-ups. And then, amazingly, we both did 100 push-ups. So we're feeling pretty strong. And then uh, fast forward the next day, uh, me and uh, about three of my buddies, um, we took Liberty and we went to uh, Pacific Beach. So we were in California, um, San Diego area is where we were stationed. And uh, we were out there, great day, beautiful weather. We had the football, we're throwing it around. I threw the football to him and then I was like, man, I'm hot. So wave was coming and you know it's like water I just dove into the wave and uh, that's when it all happened I, I don't know exactly what happened I don't remember um, I just remember kind of like coming to and I was face down in the ocean um, it knocked the wind out of me whatever I hit I guess um, couldn't feel my body my body was paralyzed from the neck down and um, so Immediately, honestly, most people probably would freak out. I was calm the whole time. Never freaked out, not once, um, which was, I feel, amazing. And um, probably saved my life in all actuality. Uh, so prior in my life, I was actually a lifeguard for five years, and I was a competitive swimmer. So I understood water. Like, I love water. So this is all really baffling to me that I was the person, instead of protecting some or saving someone, and... Uh, so I told my buddy, use my arms to support my neck uh, so that my neck wouldn't move because I knew it was a neck injury. And so he did that, squeezed my arms together and pulled me out of the water enough, and then ran off. He left me to go get somebody to save me. Um, and uh, I never opened my eyes. I kept my eyes closed the whole time. One, because I had water, salt water in my eyes and sand, and I didn't want to open my eyes. That, but another reason, I just, I feel like I just didn't want it to be reality. But I was supposed to go to the Naval Hospital, and they actually turned around and went back to the civilian hospital, which actually had the best neurosurgeon um, on the East Coast, I mean, on the West Coast, um, that did my surgery, reconstructive surgery. So this is the best guy. Like, he's the guy that does, like, he's the man, right? Um, and, uh, my mom got there about three days later. Um, but he, he immediately told my mom that I should have been, I should be dead. The amount of damage that was done to my neck, I should be dead. And, um, he said the guy in the next room, he died and he had less injury, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, he said, I, I don't know why he's alive. He said, the only thing I can say, it's a, it's a miracle. Like I have no explanation. It was a very aha moment. It was a big change in my life, too, because I had my whole life planned out. Um, I loved being in the Navy. I, I felt like that's my purpose. I was going to, you know, go up the, the ladder. Um, and my whole life changed in a, in a second. My, uh, and then I can only say, you know, God, he, he changed my path 
drastically. It was a complete 180. You know, God was always there. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him. And I mean, in all actuality, I mean, he, he saved me. He's, I heard a preacher once say, he's still in the business. <clears throat> he's still in the business of healing, of touching. Are you, are you lost today? Are you, are you feeling weighed down by the stuff in your life? finish the story, he tells the leper to, to go to the priest and to, you're supposed to, you know, do some things to let them know that you don't have leprosy anymore. And he tells them, you know, don't tell anybody, but he tells everyone. Word spreads. Then it says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. You've heard me say this before. If Jesus felt he needed to withdraw and pray, how much more do we need to do that? That's where the power came from, his connection with the Father. We need that power in our life, so we have to stay connected to the Father. You are not going to see the presence and the power of God in your life if you refuse to pray. You're not going to see the presence and the power of God in your life if you refuse to pray. We have to keep that connection to God. So I'm going to ask us here today, I'm going to ask that that we reach out to God with our weak hand, okay? It is easy to reach out with our strong and our confident, and I'm good at this hand. It's easy to reach out to God with that. But it takes guts and faith to reach out with our weak hand. But it's more authentic. So I'm going to ask us here today, we're going to have some one-on-one conversations with Jesus. And you can even say what the leper said, if you're willing, if you are willing, you can make me whole. You can heal me. That's what we're going to do here today. We're going to pray. And while I'm believing for the presence and the power of God to be in this place. Amen? Let me read you one more verse, then we're going to pray. 2 Corinthians. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong because of Him. In our weakness, we can be strong in Him. So if you would, we're going to find a place to pray. If you would stand, let's find a place to pray. And especially if you're here and you say, I am reaching out with a weak hand this morning. My weaknesses, I need God. I need Jesus. I want you to find a place to pray. That's fine if it's at your seat. But, but sometimes, let's just come forward and find a place to pray here at the altar.
let's reach out with our weak hand and say, God, I need you. I'm going through this in my life. There are physical situations, financial situations. There are marriage issues. There's children things. There's, there's just problems. There's things that are going on. There's stuff that's going on in our life. For some, of, for some of us, it may be a sin issue. It may be a spiritual issue. But God, God, I need you. I need you today. You don't have to come and pray to me. Come and pray and talk to Jesus. Let's take as much time as it takes, and let's spend time talking to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am. God, we are thankful today for your presence and for your power. Thank you, God, for healing the leprous man, for being willing and for touching him when no one else would. God, there are some times in our life, there are some situations or times in our life where we, we feel like no one wants to be with us, feel like a failure, feel like this, feel like that. And we feel like no one would want to touch us, no one would want to spend time with us. But you do. You are willing. Our our weaknesses, our our stuff, our things, they're They, they don't push you away. They don't, they don't turn you away. Help us to reach out to you with our weak hand, God. With our weaknesses. With our weaknesses, Lord. God, thank you for meeting us here today. I believe that many were touched and healed, delivered, set free by the power of the same power that raised you from the dead lives in us and was available here for us today, this morning. And God, we say thank you. Thank you. Come on, church, thank him. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your power, for your power this morning. Hallelujah. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, Goodness gracious. I love being in the presence of God, feeling his power. Feeling His power. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning.